Hello and welcome back to another episode of On Repeat, the podcast, the musical podcast with me, Hattie Winter. And me, Ellie Rashid. So this week we're going to be speaking to Barney Whitaker, aka Foot Shooter who's a London-based producer, DJ, and musician. So his style kind of blends skippy, broken beats with atmospheric warmth and synths, keys, and guitars, combining programming with live instrumentation to create an organic, rich sound. He frequently collaborates with MCs, poets, and vocalists exploring different tones and moods. In this podcast, oh my gosh, we talk about so much. We touch on the work that Barney creates with In-House Records, which is a record label directed at helping those who are in prison or just coming out of prison to kind of have like another outlet, which is totally amazing work. We talk about how that influences his own music and productions, who he collaborates with and how he collaborates with them, his creative process during lockdown and how he's preparing for his upcoming gig, which is actually going to be, I suppose, last week when this episode airs. Um, But we talk about how he's kind of prepped for that and what he's expecting from it. So maybe we'll do a little follow up on um, on how it went because it's going to be a very different experience, I'm sure. Foot Shooter has performed live DJ sets in support of the likes of Yusuf Kamal, Bell's Trio and Alchemist, as well as performing regularly at South East London Night, Steeds and Brainchild Festival. He has most recently supported 3070 in their show at Jazz Cafe with his live band in July 2019. His 2017 release, Strange Days EP, Famous Friends, was well received, gaining regular plays on NTS, Balamy, Worldwide FM and by Bonobo in a DJ set at his New York City boiler room. Footshooter's also really big on collaboration, so he's collaborated with Jack Stevenson Oliver from Bell's Trio, Poppy Adija, who, yeah, we totally love, Poppy if you're listening. There is a episode with your name on it, as well as Brother Portrait from Steam Down. I found the uh, subject matter this week super important. I think Barney, the work that Barney does is um, really incredible. I mean, I even got like a bit teary in the recording because I have been sort of like personally affected by like people being in and out of prison and knife crime and all sorts of terrible things that are reality. And I kind of just think that, you know, so many people could be helped if there was more awareness around the subject, obviously like funding issues, you know, it's amazing that Barney does this work and I really wish that more people could be supported with the work. So, you know, props to Barney, big up him, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for, for being really open about that as well, because I know that that was, that was a difficult moment. And even for me, like I haven't really been through the experience of having someone close to me go through any of that. And I found it really touching and moving so thank you so much Barney Mm. and you know he was he was extremely authentic and honest which I think is so important for musicians because it's something that I think can really radiate through their creative process and um and and through their music I guess so thank you so much for that Foot Shooter also hosts a monthly show on Peckham based community radio station Balamy which is called Sonic Fruits So we'll put the link to the show in our show notes.
friends were very much into yeah when we were teenagers very much into like yeah like rock and indie and stuff like that and then but then also like lots of people at my school were listening to hip-hop and grime and r&b as well so got exposed to that um quite early on so yeah it was a big like mishmash of stuff where did you grow up <laughs> um it's a town called stroud in gloucestershire which is kind of oh yeah i know stroud yeah. i'm from bristol so you're from bristol there you go <laughs> like, yeah we're neighbors yes so i, I usually when people have not because most people haven't heard of it so i usually say it's near bristol but it's not actually that near bristol no and it's not it's i used not. to get really annoyed by people and they'd be like i'd be like oh where are you from they'd be like bristol i'd be like oh my god i'm from bristol too where, what part and they'd be like Cainsham, and i'd be like that's not fucking yeah. bristol that, that was me i used to say, i remember at festivals people being like where are you from and i was like, oh, just outside bristol and they'd be like oh, i'm from bristol yeah because yeah, yeah everyone's already, from bristol yeah. we can't from... you can't get away from a bristolian we're like a we're like a rash oh my god <laughs> A fun rash. Oh yeah, like a good, a good rash. Good, a good a rash, rash after like a, rash. like the sort of the stamp on your hand from a club night, and you get like a rash from that. Yeah, fun rash. Fun yeah. rash. Fun rash. You said when you were growing up, you had like all these different influences. So you were sort of playing rock and stuff like that, and then there was grime. Um, so that was was that like were your friends listening to grime, or was that like played in your school or? What Some did your of them, parents yeah. listen to too? What did my parents listen to? Um, they weren't listening to grime. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, my both my parents are musicians, not not oh. professionally, but um, so there was always lots of music in the house. Um, actually, yeah, lots of when I was really small, lots of folk music. Um, mm. My mum back in the eighties used to play flute and sing in a folk band, and then. Um, so yeah, when we were kind of growing up, that that was that was a lot of what was being played in the house. But then also, my dad was really into like soul music as well and like new wave and post punk. Mm. So he was like playing Stevie Wonder records, but also like the the and Squeeze and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, a bit of a mishmash. And then getting getting into kind of yeah hip hop and R and B and stuff a bit later on. Um, and also through yeah going out in bristol actually going to kind of jungle nights and stuff there being exposed to sound system mm. music in that way um probably went to the same places we were probably at the same probably nights. At the same yeah, nights yeah, yeah. where did you where did you go <laughs> um we used to go to um motion um oh, yeah bit of an obvious one and then we went to like blue mountain as well oh um, yeah that's why i broke my first digital camera dropped it down the <laughs> concrete stairs on new year's <laughs> eve Oh Sweet. god! I only just got it at Christmas. I was so pissed off at myself. Great time. Great time. Damn, that's not a very good like um, longevity for camera. No, so five days. Five days. <laughs> yeah, five days. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty. Um, that's a pretty eclectic mix. Then. Um, I yeah. I wasn't. I guess. I was. I was trying to work out like what your influences would have been because I hear like it. It feels to me like you've got quite a strong kind of jazz foundation and it, i know it's really difficult to define like jazz now it's really really hard um but also i know that you've like you've collaborated with um a few people within that kind of or like or under that umbrella um mm. how would you label your own music if you had to yeah i mean it's so it does it has got lots of influences from different places there is you're right there is a strong kind of jazz um influence there um that's just come out of listening to lots of jazz over the past sort of like five or six years um mm. and also seeing watching lots of um jazz being played live in south london um mm. 
because I was in, <coughs> I went to uni in Brighton and then I was in halls with um, my friend Tom Jocelyn who was involved in um, helping to organise a night called Steez, um back in the day that she used to run in Lewisham, mm-hmm. which was quite mm-hmm. like a foundational night for lots of the sort of London jazz scene basically. Um, and so I started going to that in, it would have been like 2014, um, going out with them and just absorbing that <laughs> and yeah and was just kind of blown away by that and then so that kind of got me into that kind of headspace a lot more um but then also always had a love for hip-hop and poetry as well so i try and like get a lot of, yeah i love working with vocalists and MCs and spoken word poets as well and kind of trying to blend that with the jazzier elements but also mixing that with dance music and trying to yeah, just trying to like meet all of those things in the middle a little bit, I guess. Mm, I can definitely hear that, especially in like who you've um, who you've collaborated with. And like, I was listening to your EP, Libations and Movement, off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I was listening to Catch My Breath, and I was like, oh, there's tweet, like tweets in here. Yeah. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's a really. It kind of felt like a niche, kind of like older sample of like a song that. I hadn't heard for years but obviously it was like a, a huge song and I think it still stands up today it's like such a good like R&B hip-hop track so like with all the influences you have does that kind of like help you pick and choose like who you work with and kind of how you work with them um I guess so I mean it's it's, it's probably more of a subconscious thing for me um I collaborations like a massive part of the music I do um mm-hmm. And that actually relates to the the role of a producer in general because it's I don't although I kind of release music under my artist name Foot Shooter I don't think of myself as an artist individually like standalone mm. I see myself as more of a producer so for me it's about like working with people whose me whose kind of either vocals or music excites me in some way and I think it will work um, and then seeing what come seeing the result that comes out of that basically. Um, yeah and i'm just like very lucky to be immersed in a scene that's Mm. full of people who are making music and performing that excites me and stirs me in some way and then i'm able to kind of link with those people and make music together but how's it been during during lockdown where collaboration is not as accessible in a way or has it been accessible to you have you still been able to make music um have you made it remotely with other people how's it been um i've actually made more music this year than i have for the last like couple of years (laughs) wow Um, oh yeah yeah because just just because of being locked down and not having to work alongside and like actually having months where that's all I could kind of focus on um so yeah I've got a it's it's yeah it's like a nine track album that I've finished a couple of weeks ago which has generated mostly this year um and in terms of the collaborative component of that um a lot of that was yeah was recorded remotely so people would kind of record I'd send an instrumental across and people would write the lyrics to it or whatever and then send me vocal stems back and I'll mix it and then send it back to them. So we're kind of doing back and forth. But then also there's been periods of time like during the break in lockdown um, 
in like August and September when it was kind of safer to do so. People came around to mine and kind of recorded and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of that project as well, just I've done lots of like single tracks that are going to come out on various compilations and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of it has just been remote. So it's a case of just sending people stuff and then them sending vocals back, which is kind of strange. Yeah, but yeah. Do you think though that this lockdown experience uh, do you think it's gonna dictate how you might work in the future um that's a really good question i think yeah i think so i mean i think it's it's just made remote working more of a kind of option um and for i mean for me like my ideal thing is getting everyone in a room and writing something from scratch but obviously that's not feasible for a lot of people um and the i think the benefits of remote working are that you can collaborate with people that aren't you could i mean in theory you can just collaborate with someone anywhere in the world right if you can do yeah. it by email and send them like stems and stuff like that so it opens up it kind of like reduces the amount that you're restricted by location um in that regard um but i think i'm still i'm still quite keen on doing it irl when possible because yeah. I think it's uh, there is something you lose slightly from doing things on email. Yeah. Did you get any surprises through? Was it like you kind of thought somebody would maybe write or create one thing and kind of put something back? It still worked, but you were like, oh, I didn't expect that. Um, not really. I think it's all been... I, I've been... The, the way I've been surprised by it... Well, it's not, not really surprised, but I've just been all the people that I have worked with that I've sent off stuff to, the stuff that they sent back has just been amazing. And it's it's kind of like listening back to it for the first time has been, yeah, just wild kind of hearing how people respond to things, especially when it is remote, when it's when it's a process of kind of, it's almost like turn taking in the songwriting process. So it's like I'll send an instrumental and they'll add a bit and then send it back and then I'll add a bit and send it back. Um, and yeah, just the, the things that that's generated, I've been really surprised by the quality of it from like, people have been sending me it's been really yeah it's been really exciting so it must actually be really exciting to get through and be like what's it gonna sound like yeah, i guess yeah. when, yes. you're all, when you're all in a room you can like you can hear you can you, you kind of know what to expect i guess um mm. but it must be like oh what's in what's in the inbox today like let's have a i don't know maybe it brings the magic back to kind of that feeling of, of when you first listen to a track that you're like this is so good talking of um IRL as well which like I think I didn't know what that meant until quite recently and I just felt like such an idiot like people are like, IRL like and I was like OMG <laughs> <laughs> I don't have TikTok or whatever anyway um talking of IRL I've I tried to book a ticket for tomorrow to see your is it your first post lockdown gig yeah, it's my, it's my first DJ set since February, yeah. May. <laughs> How, like, okay, right. So I, I'm actually, I'm so gutted that I can't, well, I, I, I can come, but it's it's completely sold out. And um, yeah. I, I thought I was gonna be getting in there quickly. I thought, oh, this is gonna be a great birthday present. I'll bring my mates. We can go, Hattie was gonna come as well. And straight away, like that, like just completely, completely booked. And it's not surprising because people have been craving live music. People have mm. been craving a DJ set. And I think 
it's going to be incredible but how are you feeling about it do you think it's going to be a bit strange <laughs> or are you really looking forward to it I'm I'm really yeah I'm really looking forward to it that's that's one of the things that I absolutely love about what I do is is playing music for people um it's been something I've been obsessed with since I was really young like always putting shit I'm I'm the guy on the on the aux cable at parties like all the time yeah so to be able to do that like in a professional setting is incredible and like yeah I'm really looking forward to it it's it's going to be very different to the kind of DJ sets I was doing pre-lockdown because it's everyone's gonna be seated mm. it's gonna be more of like a kind of bar mm. vibe um and people won't be allowed to dance which is gonna be jokes um, <laughs> no, the table. Like, had, yeah no I had fr- I had like Luke um he's a producer called EVM128 he runs Dance Regular who released my um, Libations and Movement EP he was telling me that because they did um some events in Tottenham um during the during like the last break between the lockdowns when it was kind of safe to do so and he was saying it was just like it was a really nice vibe but the security were literally going around like telling people to stop dancing oh. like he got t- he was he was he was standing up like just like shuffling a little bit <laughs> and the security <laughs> came over and told him to stop moving he had to stand completely still because the legal side of it is like they're not if like I don't know, like on the off chance that police turned up and saw people standing up, like wiggling or whatever, they would get shut down and all this kind of stuff. So, that's horrible. Yeah. It feels so, so like opposite <laughs> to what you, what everyone kind of wants from going out. And that's what mad. I mean. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a release in some ways, but also maybe quite frustrating mm. <laughs> for some people. Um, <laughs> a frustrating release. <laughs> a frustrating release. Yeah. <laughs> There's the idea of somebody being like, oh, like, what are you, like, in here for? And it's like, oh, I wiggled. <laughs> I wiggled. Yeah, getting, I... <laughs> getting, bang, getting banged up for wiggling. Yeah. <laughs> are you, um, like, kind of crafting your set? I don't, I mean, I don't know if you, like, kind of practice before and, and, and whatever, but are you kind of crafting your set to kind of accompany that kind of more mm. bar kind of setting? Or are you just going to go hard mm. and be like, I have played in months, <laughs> fuck it. Have some gather. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a part of me that always wants to play Gabba. Um, <laughs> I think that's in everyone. At, yeah, especially when it's at a bar in Hackney. In a Gabba. Yeah. Like in a Gabba. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I 100% will like have, I, I don't really plan sets that much, but I'll have in mind like the various kind of moods I want to go for because, yeah, I'm playing for like four hours and it's in a bar where people are going to be sitting down and eating. So if I'm playing slammers, it might be a bit <laughs> mm. incongruous. I mean, it, I'm going to see what the vibe is. People might want that towards the end, but um, it's mm. going to be a nice, it'll be really fun actually to play for that length of time as well and it to be in a more relaxed setting because I'll be able to play stuff that I wouldn't play in a like a 2am club set, for example. Um, mm. So yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, nice. I think it's nice that um, you work that way with sense and the vibe. I mean, I I would assume that a lot of people um, who who DJ do do that, but I wonder if there are some people that do plan really meticulous and like sort of meticulous sets and know exactly what they're what they're doing. Um, do you find that you kind of work with that similar framework with all the work that you do? Because you say you do quite a few different different things and I know that you do like volunteering and it seems like you have lots of kind of strings to your bow um as a as a musician and um yeah do you work so do you work in that kind of uh improvisatory style and and where you kind of sense the vibe and sense uh read the room I guess I mean so like one of the one of the bits of work that I've been doing since August is working with a record label called in-house records um 
which is a label which works with men who are in prison um, in mm. London and in the southeast of England in general. Um, and also guys that just come out of prison recently. Um, and it's kind of, its overall aim is to reduce the rates of recidivism um, in the kind of cohort of guys that we've been working with. So reduce reoffending rates basically through um, giving them something engaging to like focus mm. on when they come out, but also w when they're inside to give them um, something to do because it's just prisons a madness on yeah. your mental health and your kind of confidence and all sorts of things um, as we know. So yeah, and that, so originally I got the role in like February um, and I was going to be helping to kind of do music production workshops in um, HMP ISIS, which is in Thamesmead in Southeast London. Um, but because the prisons have been locked down, I've been, since like August, I was doing studio sessions with the guys that they were working with who'd been released um, at Pirate Studios in Greenwich. Um, and that was that was more of a kind of facilitation role in terms of, and production in terms of they kind of would come in with, either with beats that they'd ripped off YouTube or kind of ideas of tracks they wanted to make. And I would either make a track with them from scratch or, um, rip something off youtube and help them like record it and arrange it and all that kind of stuff um and there was a massive part of that which was very improvisational and creative especially when they wanted to just make something from scratch um and i've actually had some of the i'd say some of the most pure moments of joy that i've ever had from music actually doing that work this year in those moments like there's been a couple of moments which i think i'm going to remember for a long time where there's just been yeah just points where we've kind of generated something and everyone's tapped into a certain energy in the room even though we we hadn't even like met before um and there's something about as well kind of just where those guys are at with their lives and what they've been through and then that was kind of in, yeah do you have an example of um one of i mean you don't have to share it as well obviously <laughs> uh, if it's if it's like you know very personal or private but do you have an example of any of those um really special moments yeah i mean so we d i was doing a session with um a guy who i'd worked with quite a lot um and he he brought along two of his friends who i hadn't kind of met before and who they they as far as i'm aware weren't working with the label directly it was him who was working with the label but then he brought along two mates who were also kind of mcs and um vocalists and then we did like a really good like s sort of six seven hour session um where we were working on tracks that um all three of them had kind of brought to the table and then we had like i think there was like 20 minutes left and they all went out to smoke a cigarette and we're just like just come up with something <laughs> and we'll come back in and i was just like okay shit <laughs> and so i just i i, I remember i just i had like a chord, like a kind of chord sequence in my head for a couple of weeks before that and i just started playing it on the midi keyboard in pirate studios and they came back and i made a little kind of bumpy beat for it and it kind of turned into this like r&b jam where mm. the hook was um like something about your body babe and they all started like singing it and kind of like clapping in the room and like standing up and i was just <laughs> playing it on this like shit midi keyboard <laughs> and there was this moment and they were just started freestyling and there was yeah it was and we had, and it was because it was the last like 10 minutes of the session as well before we had to leave the room so it's just the, the energy just like congealed into this moment that was yeah i was just like smiling for like two days afterwards. Oh, really just like yeah. wiggling 
Yeah, yeah. wiggling. Illegally wiggling. Exactly. <laughs> does that does that get released, the track? That track hasn't no, it's I mean it's we haven't actually worked on it since that ten minutes. It just like <laughs> it was just this burst and then just Yeah. Sometimes those moments are actually best not recorded weirdly though mm. because i feel like we record so much but actually and and it's the same with pictures and, and videos there's so much out there but the stuff that you kind of hold in your head like those moments are sometimes sometimes mm. it's just bad like that i think um 100 yeah and I, like i'm that's a really that's something i kind of have in my head a lot about social media as well is mm. I, I think it's really important to actually just remember things sometimes um yeah <laughs> Uh, you guys were talking about drill and mm. um, appropriating uh, drill and things like that. And I was so interested in this and I wondered if that is a genre that really came up whilst you're doing this work. Is is it something that you've learned more about as well as, as a genre? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 I've been aware of it for a couple of years, but never really engaged with it that much. Um, and yeah it's 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 complicated um on the one hand it's really important that guys who are in situations like that where they kind of where the the, the situations that bear out music such as drill um it's really important that they have an outlet for that and that it's honest and it's not kind of trying to like dumb down the reality that a lot of guys like that are living in inner city communities um and on the flip side of that also like because I, I, I worked in a school in Hackney for two years um secondary school and I was working with um lots of young people where their kind of older siblings were involved in gangs and were drillers and stuff like that and so um I found it quite conflicting to listen to the music for quite a long time especially when I was working there because mm part of me respected the freedom of expression and really thought it was really important but then also another part of me felt strange celebrating music that is about violence and about kind of young people of color killing each other yeah <laughs> in a city context especially relating to the work that i was doing at the time it felt a bit too close to home for me to be listening and celebrating that as a kind of white middle class guy that's moved to the city and i felt a bit strange about um yeah there's 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 a lot of stuff going on there but how that relates to the music i've been doing with in-house is i i kind of try and focus on the fact that that so guys will come in and be like oh can you make me a a, a beat like this and they'll play me a drill track or like a kind of american trap track and i'll make an instrumental that sounds similar to that and then they'll record their lyrics on that um and in terms of lyrical content the stuff that they're recording in that context is is oh we had to kind of tread the line in those sessions between freedom of expression but also not wanting lyrics in there that basically are kind of celebrating or glorifying that kind of violence and also just from the label's perspective not wanting to generate tracks that will be hard to kind of shop around for radio plays and stuff like that mm so it's a lot of balancing that stuff is a lot um to think about <laughs> i mean i remember having having a conversation with one of the guys i was working with where 
um because i'd been told by someone that works within the label that we had to kind of be a bit careful about what lyrics were being recorded if they wanted to, mm -hmm. it to release under the label's name and also the way that it kind of the dynamic and the way in which it relates to um a lot of the guys having re recently been released from prison and then if they're releasing tracks through the label that kind of reference certain crimes and stuff like that it gets into quite kind of dodgy territory and yeah. also yes from a pr perspective like from the label's perspective it's hard for them to promote mm. music that has certain lyrics in it just to um to for radio plays and such um yeah but i had the uh, so I, I i kind of went in and there was one guy i was working with in particular where he had some lyrics and i kind of because i'd had that conversation with someone that works the label i was like oh we need to yeah i was just like we need to kind of maybe try and find other ways of saying what we want to say in this context um which was an interesting and he actually did the, the response he gave me was so eloquent and kind of stuck with me and, and then that he just basically said he was not he wasn't talking about the life that he leads now like he was just like really he was just like i live i live with my mum and i just go to work and i come in here and record music now um mm. and the stuff that he was referencing was about his life before he went into prison yeah. um and he said it's so important to represent that stuff and to have people aware that that kind of those lives exist and that situation yeah. exists for people um yeah. yeah difficult isn't it you don't want to like censor people yes it's telling that line and yeah people have to realize that these things are real they're not fake people kind of think that it's encouraging violent behavior where it's actually just people kind of dictating their reality mm. and things that have happened to them and that's such an important thing for people to understand and realize and how are you talking about censorship as well i think the, the interesting thing about a lot of drill we hear like kind of coding like within the words and like interesting metaphors and this sort of language that's been made up um and i did wonder actually barney when you were talking about having to be careful about the content that was put out did you find that there were any kind of like little codes that were used in kind of uh, a drill-esque way <laughs> um yeah yeah uh, yeah 100 percent. There was, there was, yeah yeah there's lo lots of inference and lots of metaphor in there i've been doing kind of uh drill and grime projects but with completely different age groups and i definitely think that it influenced my own music making do you feel like it has with yours as well obviously you had quite a strong um influence in like in in jazz and you said that your parents listened to some folk and just but you've got like everything and then you've got this whole mm. other little baby do you think it's mm. uh influenced you there yeah 100 percent. i mean it, it just if anything it's got it's got me just list like listening to more um kind of current uk rap um it's definitely more like uk rap and grime than drill i think i'd say um but just in terms of the stuff that the producers that work in those kind of musical zones like the, the production is so interesting and it's really really sick and like actually quite forward thinking and progressive in lots of ways um because that music is having a, a boot like a creative boom at the moment and that mm. yeah there's mm. just some really interesting stuff happening there from a production perspective and through like working with the guys and them kind of coming in and being like oh, i want this kind of beat i had to adapt really quickly to like learn like learning how to make certain sounds and kind of get the outcome that they wanted from it 
um so yeah so it's, de it's definitely like influenced my own music in terms of just the sounds i'm starting to use and the stuff i'm listening to more and i guess that will yeah be interesting to see if that does filter into my own stuff as well um but also the the kind of tracks i've been making with the guys although it's they were kind of often when we have made stuff from scratch it's it's very much been like they've wanted certain elements from tracks that they're familiar with so like drum patterns and stuff like that but then they've what's blown me away is the level of adaptability from them in in terms of like a lot of the time they've been really open to me playing some kind of like jazz chord sequence over the top <laughs> yeah and like actually the, yeah yeah and the results that have come out of that have been mad and i was actually listening through, through a lot of the tracks last night um and it does yeah just some of the stuff some of the results from that kind of blend of the two different elements are really interesting and the, the i've just been really impressed by the level of open-mindedness from the guys basically that i've been working with they've been really up for me kind of pushing it a little bit and yeah that's yeah, it's been really cool i had a great experience drum patterns and having jazz chords and I would actually really like to know how you kind of do attack making making a piece of music do you start with with drums are you always starting with chords are you starting with loops um it's usually drums yeah because I'm dr drums is like my main instrument um so yeah I usually I usually make a make a beat basically and then I'll go on go on the roads and kind of work out a chord sequence to fit that and then kind of build it around that and build like kind of write some melodies and stuff like that and then do the arrangement kind of later on um yeah basically and how do you like what kind of inspires your 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 drum patterns is it kind of like something yeah is it something else that you've heard or do you, or is it like you say you just have like something in your head and you're like i'm just going to try and get it out and then it's a hundred percent. It's just constantly in my head. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm the, I'm, I was the guy in secondary school who was like drumming on the table. Oh yeah, one um, of those people. They like take away <laughs> yeah, your like yeah. pens and pencils, and you'd Literally. be like, I've still got hands. I, yeah, like I, I, I relentlessly, relentlessly piss people off throughout my life for doing that. Um, and yeah, and so this is, yeah, this is very much just getting out. Kind of, I'll, I'll just be like drumming on my legs all the time, and like, and then when I come to it, I'll kind of just make a beat that's in my head, and then, yeah. Do you play drums? Yeah. Like physical? Are you always, are you doing this like with real drums? As opposed to like, I'm thinking of like digital drums and like doors and stuff. Um, I use a mix of the two. Yeah. So it's um, I'll use some program drums and then I'll record a lot of the kind of percussion parts and like, um, I don't actually in the place I'm in now where I'm producing I don't have a drum kit set up. But in the last place I was in the studio I was in before I did have my drum kit set up, so I was able to kind of record in live drums as well. Um but that's that's something that really yeah I, I love i love it when producers like combine live and program elements mm. and drums i think you just get an amazing like richness and organic sound to it that you can't get through just like drawing stuff in on logic mm. yeah it becomes quite like textured doesn't it it's nice yeah 100 percent. do you think it's possible to produce um and create beats without have without being able to play drums or having any knowledge about it and I guess this kind of intertwines with a debate about music and privilege if, if there's anyone listening and they're thinking mm. well music's not an accessible um, or feasible career choice for me because I didn't have those options mm. how easy do you think it is for for someone who feels like they're in that position um 
yeah i mean i'd say it is definitely harder if you don't have a musical background um i started producing music when i was a teenager um and i'd although although i'd had a background more in kind of guitar music in terms of the stuff i was playing it was like quite early on started experimenting with like sampling and beat making and stuff um but i was only really able to do that because i'm middle class and like my dad had an imac do you know what i mean mm. it's like there's yeah. levels to it i just had that accessibility in my house and so was able to jump on that and start experimenting and then through that did like a music tech a level and then yeah and it kind of flowed out from there um but that yeah that's just not the reality for like so many people who would want to get into music um and that's why i think it's so important that there are like courses and such available for young people um what i what really kind of struck me when i was working at the school in hackney was supporting because i was working with kids with special educational needs mostly there um even though it was a, it was a mainstream secondary school but i was working with SEM kids within that and um, when I was supporting kids in the music lessons there, like the music GCSE curriculum, for example, hasn't really changed since I did it 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's still very oriented around classical music mm. and or and the contemporary music that they choose to include is literally Queen and stuff like that. That oh is Queen, Queen is about as contemporary as they get in terms of the stuff that's included in there, which is astonishing mm. um and i don't think that is an accident <laughs> mm. i don't think that that's just laziness um is that like down to the schools or to the teachers or to because i'm thinking that i because because i did a music tech gcse and so it was like we could produce and we could kind of do whatever we wanted in a way i think i remember making yeah. some terrible like hackneyed version of kate nash and <laughs> so fucking <laughs> nice. bad <laughs> but yeah. like it was quite cool because yeah you didn't i i can't play any instruments and we could just like use logic and do whatever but i yeah. also kind of maybe recognized that my music teacher was like particularly like down with the kids i guess yeah so i think there's lots of i mean there's i'm specifically talking about like, the music gcse because like i don't think most schools offer music tech at gcse level um, yeah, i might be wrong but as far as i know it's mostly just music and even that a lot of schools are stopping kind of offering that mm. um because the government's cutting funding to it um but yeah so it's the it's it's down to the what's on the curriculum and what schools are allowed to teach at gcse level because it's like the exams and coursework has to be on certain topics and that's not decided by the school um so there's a limit to i think there's 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 room because I, I was actually tutoring a girl for music gcc like last year briefly for a couple of months so i kind of like got my head into the curriculum again and there's there's like a compositional element to it where you can use music production technology so you can like make something in logic for example but like the school i was working at didn't have any computers in the music department they had you know those keyboards that you have in music classes yeah. that we had in music class when I we were at school they had those com DJ. They had those keyboards yeah oh yeah D yeah with the dj button they had the same keyboards there and I think there was one iMac in like a studio room somewhere in the music department um and that I think that's like representative of the equipment situation in lots of state schools um mm. and so just it's it's just all of these things are just stacked against you if you're not you don't have equipment like that at home like I did and if you don't have the opportunities to kind of experiment um with that kind of stuff but also like that compounded with the curriculum being so obstructive and actually just completely 
yeah completely at odds with what most young people in this country the kind of music most people listen to and, and are passionate about and care about through working with teenagers and kids the last couple of years like pretty much every especially teenagers every teenager you speak to or like a large majority of them listens to music all the time is like mm-hmm. completely obsessed with music knows like they could recite you the lyrics to like an entire album of of something that they love do you know what i mean there there is that passion there but that's just not in any way tapped into <laughs> by the education system yeah. it's just completely ignored and it's such a shame thinking about the number of kids that i feel would genuinely thrive in kind of pursuing music at an education level higher than like at gcc level than at a level at degree level but they don't because they look at the gcc syllabus and it's classical music and queen and they're like that doesn't that bears no relation to anything I've ever experienced. If you never like, if you don't, do you know what I mean? That's it's. it's yeah. I feel like it's it's a massive barrier for people. Yeah. And then you couple that with equipment and all this kind of stuff. It's really yeah. And I think it's important that people, especially musicians, stay authentic in in that way. I think it's very easy for people to feel like they need to be pigeonholed to genres and be someone else. And in doing that, I feel like you're shutting off. Um, some really important um, opportunities to help other people get into music and help to keep it accessible and inclusive. So thank you for thank you for mentioning that. That's really, really nice. Mm. Um, we were talking about collaborations earlier on, and I just wondered if there's anyone that you'd like particularly like to collaborate with, if you could. It doesn't have to be feasible. It could be like Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Prince. Dead Prince. Yeah. Um, no, I, d- I wouldn't want to collaborate with Prince. That would be terrifying. <laughs> it would <laughs> be terrifying. Can you imagine? Oh my god! To be honest, there's still there's still people in South London that I want to work with. Um, like, there's, like, there's like an endless list yeah. of people. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna hopefully make that happen over the next couple of years. But yeah. Oh, nice. Sick. We'll see. Sick. Uh, it's funny you mentioned South London because I was gonna ask you a little bit about that. I just wanted to. Um, touch on the south london jazz scene i guess a little bit and uh, Mm. and i'm just thinking as well because you're not from london outside london like what do the jazz scenes look like in the uk um and how do they compare do you think there's a lot of a lot of glorification around perhaps the south uh, london jazz scene or do you think it's it's uh justifiable and what do you think the future of it is so i think there's kind of yeah it's a kind of wider question around um media representation of music music journalism mm. and how that intersects with the reality of people making music in a place mm-hmm. and how it affects that as well and how it affects people's perceptions of it um i think there has been a lot of there's been a lot of media generated hype around the london jazz scene um mm. which we're all aware of and stuff and it's it's it's, it's for a reason it's because there's been like a amazing kind of fiercely creative output of music coming out of this part of london over the past sort of like well I, i'm reluctant to say like five or six years but it's, it's been way longer than that mm. it's been a lot of the people who are playing here have been playing since they were teenagers do you know what i mean and kind of coming up so it's that i and i've only just moved to london so i wouldn't be able to like speak on that but um i think in terms of the london centricness of it that's very much a media generated problem and actually there's really good bands in Bristol, really good jazz bands in Bristol, Manchester, uh, Leeds as well. Um, and it all, 
like the 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 northern jazz that's coming out at the moment is very different tonally to a lot of the stuff that's coming out of london and it's really like yeah really interesting and beautiful but it kind of doesn't the way that music journalism kind of tries to package things means that i think a lot of that stuff gets missed Mm. um in that process basically I wonder um, if that will change because of lockdown. Because I think a lot of people, like I know people that are like leaving London because it's like the London price you are happy to pay because of the London lifestyle. And then without the lifestyle, you're like, why am I really here? So I think as yeah. people do move to Bristol, Brighton, Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, we're going to start seeing more, more like news about those places. That's kind of my theory. Yeah, I mean, uh, like there is already really amazing stuff happening in all of those places. So I, I think for me, it's more just about maybe music journalists paying a bit more attention and yeah. being a bit more nuanced when they're kind of talking about London jazz or whatever because there's like yeah there's amazing music coming out of every part of the UK at the moment and I think you do you do just miss you miss a part of that picture if you try and box it too much basically. yeah hopefully we'll see some like links connected because yeah, it's just like a missing just a missing like chain isn't there Who are you keeping on repeat at the moment? Um, I've been listening to so there's a singer from Chicago called The Mind, um, who I've heard some of his stuff over the past couple of years. He's collaborated with like Mick Jenkins and No Name and people like that, and Saba as well, who's um really sick artist from also from Chicago. Um, but yeah, he he just dropped a a project like two weeks ago, so I've just been like rinsing that until I go crazy basically. <laughs> yeah sick sick oh well Perfect. thank you for being such a um an amazing guest it's been it's been really really great and i hope that everything goes well tomorrow i'm really sad that we can't yeah. be there Sorry. Yeah. we'll be wiggling at home i'll play, um, some, I'll play some gabba in your honor um, yes thanks a lot and yeah thanks for having me today it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you Amazing. Thank you so much, Barney, for such an interesting... Mm. Really unique. A unique conversation, I'd say. And we will be wiggling in anticipation. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks so much, Barney. You've been an amazing guest. And if you want to check out a little bit more of Foot Shooter, you can visit his Instagram, which is at footshootersound, with one word, and also on Facebook at footshootermusic be sure to check him out on Bandcamp. So that's Foot Shooter Beats. Yeah. Next week is going to be our last episode before <gasps> we break up for Christmas. We're going on our little Christmas break. Remember, you can get your on-cloud cloud trees. Oh my gosh, yes you can. <laughs> if you're still looking for trees, they will have trees for you. Yes. We've got a lot of really, really interesting guests in the pipeline for the new year. We feel like 2021 is going to be a better year for everybody. Mm. And we're really looking forward to sharing more of our podcast yeah. love. So if you've made it this far, then definitely give us a review. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye.